One Pills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, everybody. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on a Wednesday edition of One Bills Live. In case you were wondering, we will not be here tomorrow as we'll all be stuffing our faces in pure and utter glory. Um, I'm, I'm already getting excited about the meal tomorrow. <laughs> I'm you? not going to lie. I'm more excited about sleeping <clears throat> in. That is also a perk. That I will enjoy. And, uh, the uh, m- members of my family started arriving today, mm-hmm. and uh, so spouses and children and children with their significant others. Yes, that's right. Children and their spouses. The ones that showed up don't have kids yet. All the most of the grandkids are obviously local, and they're already here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they now here's <laughs> there is um, there are certain ethnic differences to the thanksgiving table based on your heritage right um we're all americans obviously but we all come from immigrants of some sort so i know i've told you several times there is usually right. some kind of pasta course yeah yeah at my thanksgiving table you being of f- italian heritage is that is the italian the feast of the seven fishes or something like they that? they do have that, that as that well that? that's around christmas time oh is it okay yeah. my bad Sorry, um obviously christmas you- eve fish is a dinner staple oh is that right yes fish huh, on christmas eve huh. All right. we don't do seven but we do do fish All so right. um but yeah, there is usually a pasta course at some point, and with my wife's family being one hundred percent Italian, I'm only half. Right. It is lock, stock, and barrel. You're only half. I don't know what it's going to be. Could be baked ziti. Could be beef lasagna. It could be anything. I'm pulling for lasagna. All right. But usually, it's because beef lasagna is my favorite, and people are like, "Oh dear God!" Like. You have beef lasagna on top of all the other stuff you have on Thanksgiving? Yes. Yes, go. I do. And I am not ashamed of it in the least. Uh, so I am pulling for lasagna. I'm all not right. sure what is on the menu because we are not hosting this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, And too. if it's I mean, not lasagna yeah. at Thanksgiving, it is almost guaranteed for Christmas. So if you don't get it on the first holiday, you usually get it on the second. I get it. The anticipation, Steve, I can't describe it to you. There's like three There's three games on tomorrow, right? Triple one, header. One, 425, and seven. Or seven, eight, whatever it is, night game. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think it's eight o'clock, right? Now I, got, now I, gotta I click. believe it's an eight now o'clock I've game. I've got to click and look at the schedule because we're not in. Come on. But the first one's at 12 go. or 1230, and then 430, 430, yeah, Steve, you should know this with the Bills having played on three of the last four Thanksgivings. Yeah, got a, we caught a break this year, right? Uh, yeah, we did. I'm actually, nice. I'm actually with my family, <laughs> right? I, it's because been rough. because all three of them have been away games. Well, yeah, unless you're the Lions or the Cowboys, right? Like I will that. say, having done the Detroit Thanksgiving, having done the Cowboys Thanksgiving over the last three years, right. Got to give it to Jerry. The, the, nothing against Detroit. I mean, right. they do okay with their food spread. Oh, yeah. Dallas does it up. Oh, they don't, man. No holds barred there in the, the Dallas Thanksgiving spread. Now, you would expect this. They do it every year. Like, this is old hat for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but still, it'd be, yeah, but you still got to keep it 
you know. Detroit does a nice job. Dallas is at another level. Good for them. They have individual single-serve pies, dude. Like single-serve pies. Like apple pie, cherry pie, pumpkin pie? All three. And I think they even had a key lime and a pecan. Did they have any, like, ice cream going there? I believe they did. I don't know how you're putting a scoop on a single-serve pie that's, you know, not much bigger than your hand. Are they hot? Uh, I believe there was a warming station where, because the pies are all sitting out there on a table. They're already done. See, now I'm, and if you need to grab it and warm it see, up, you I'm, can do see, that. Now I'm sounding like a little guy on the street. And did they have <laughs> I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. The Dallas I'm spread like on Thanksgiving. Tim. I'm like Tiny Tim in the Christmas Carol. The Dallas spread on Thanksgiving. There, there aren't a lot of things I like about Dallas right. or the Cowboys or anything. Got to salute right. Jerry. He knows how to Good set up them. Thanksgiving. Bless their hearts. So, so kudos to you them. You notice, I didn't really think about this, but you're right. It's Packers-Detroit division game, Dallas-Washington division game, yep. San Francisco-Seattle division, division game. game. Three games, six teams, all division opponents, all NFC. Yeah, it is an all NFC Thanksgiving, which kind of – I'm a little disappointed in that. I know I told you that earlier because yeah. I've you know I've always been an AFC guy. Yeah. Um, I'll say this though that it you spent your whole career in the AFC. Great so. for great for Buffalo on Friday though on Black Friday you got the Dolphins Jets Dolphins game. Jets nice. yeah tomorrow there's another game yeah, tomorrow the very first nice. Black Friday game and that's a 3 p.m. kick right like it's right smack in the middle of your day they're expecting everybody to be off tomorrow we ain't. Or Friday, I should say. Friday. We're, We're not. not. We'll be here. We'll be. That'll be kicking we'll off be right here as we get off the air. Racing home. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Watch the yeah. game. Uh, Start the weekend. So, yeah. Uh, we want to get you up to speed here as soon as we can regarding uh, Bill's news. First bit of Bill's news. Pretty cool. Reggie Gilliam named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week for his forced fumble. He also had another tackle. Uh, on kickoff in that game. First time he's been named a player of the week in his career, so congrats to Reggie. Uh, I know you were a little disappointed, and I understand why Rasul Douglas was not AFC Defensive Player of the Week. He had three takeaways. Yeah. The first three takeaway game by a Bills defender in 25 years. Kurt Schultz, the last to do it, back in 1998. He was not AFC Defensive player of the week. That went to Jalen Ramsey. He also had two interceptions. He did have two interceptions. Good, yeah, Didn't have day. three takeaways. He had a good day. No question. And I get it, too. Same, you he kind of helped the seal the team, game for them. You know, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, I get it. But, yeah, he lost to a, he lost to another great day by another defender. So, yeah. yeah. Kudos to Jalen Ramsey back in and, and looking like his old self because that was a crusher when he went down early in the season. Right. For the Dolphins. So, the – the other bit of news that is out is the Bills' Wednesday injury report, so I'm going to uh, bring that to you as soon as I can pull it up here. And essentially, it is as follows. Josh Allen's listed on the injury report, but he's a full participant. I think in the wake of the Joe Burrow brouhaha and the injury situation out there in Cincinnati before he actually injured the wrist, yeah, I think all – NFL teams are crossing all T's and dotting all I's well, so as not to get fined or anything else. It, ha- it happened to the Cowboys years and years and years ago with Aikman. He had a sore thumb. 
he was a full participant and they didn't put him on the they didn't put him on the injured list and they got to the game on Sunday and they were playing, you know, Sisters of the Poor or I don't know, Joey Bagadonas. I don't know who they were playing, but they were going to stomp them and they just said, "You know what? We're not going to play. We're going to sit you." And it was a huge deal. Huge deal as you can imagine. And this was before legalized betting. So, um the Cowboys got fined like a half a million dollars for benching Troy Aikman because of his thumb. Um, they would have been better off saying he missed curfew, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, his, th- his thumb was sore and all that, so they benched him and just because they wanted to. He wasn't on the injury report, full participant in practice the entire week, and they got fined. So now then this thing comes up the last couple of weeks – and, you know, nobody wants to make that mistake again. So Josh is on the injury report. Right. So basically the majority of Buffalo's injury report and practice updates, by the way, brought to you by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Essentially, Steve, Buffalo secondary has to get healthy in a hurry here because not practicing and in concussion protocol, Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, safety Taylor Rapp, who fortunately all his tests came back negative, Coach McDermott said on Monday he'll have a chance to play on Sunday, but he did not practice today with his neck injury. And then limited Micah Hyde and Cam Lewis. So that's that's five defensive backs on the injury report right now. Um, Dorian yeah. Williams and Trent Sherfield also listed with ankle and knee injuries, but they were full participants in practice, so they don't seem any worse for wear. It's really the secondary that has got to get healthy in no short order. Uh, so hopefully that happens over the course of the next couple of days and they can get right where they at least don't feel supremely shorthanded against a very talented receiving core for Philadelphia. I mean, A.J. Brown is on a tear right now, and Devontae Smith is no slouch, the former Heisman winner. So Bills have to get healthy fast. Uh, so they can field a lineup, you know, that can hang with these guys. And hopefully that happens in the next few days here as we make our way closer to Sunday. Um, we are going to hear from Josh Allen as the Bills had a walkthrough practice essentially today and finished early uh, so as to allow people to get home to their families. They'll have to all have an early Thanksgiving tomorrow uh, before they come in for work tomorrow and then back at it Friday uh, to get ready for the Eagles. And we'll hear from Josh Allen in just a few minutes as he addressed the media today. We'll also anticipating Von Miller and Stefan Diggs addressing the media. So as soon as they do that and we have access to it, we will bring that to you as well to get their thoughts on the upcoming matchup with the Eagles. It's a biggie. Uh, the 9-1 and one Eagles, the only team to beat the Eagles this year? The New York Jets, and they did it thanks to forcing three turnovers more than anything else in that game. We also wanted to tell you today, it's a day early, but obviously we will not be on the air tomorrow. The Football Relationship Hotline is open. It's presented by Pepsi, the official soft drink of the Buffalo Bills. And I'm just going to say this. If there was ever a day in which you needed assistance with your football viewing priorities, where family can get in the way, 
It's tomorrow. Yeah. Thanksgiving. You're, everybody knows every family's got a couple of, couple of relatives that are out there on the fringes. And sometimes they can make life difficult for you and your football viewing yeah. habits this time of year. <clears throat> we have answers for you. So you can call us at 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the you number sh- to get on board. If you've got a football relationship yeah. problem, we have your solutions. Um, usually, like most people have Thanksgiving dinner like later in the afternoon or a late lunch, you know, like a, from 2 to 4, like even an early dinner, yep. that kind of thing. So it's like one meal in the second half of the day. And – Football's going on before, during, and after. Or your, I don't know if you had siblings and all that. I had three older siblings. Did you? Were you a? Front, I had a younger sister. Were you a front yard, backyard? Let's go throw the football around, kind of guy on a Thanksgiving. Um, no, nah, no, not really. Um, you know, so we had like once I got to like high school and stuff. You know, you go play a football game in the morning and then yeah, yeah. get home for dinner. Right, you know, with the family once, because relatives aren't really coming over if you're hosting until like two, three. Right, right. They, they, right. Yeah. So you had all morning. That's a thing. To go play football you with sleep, your buddies. You and sleep then come in. Home. You relax. You do your thing. Yeah, that's. Uh, we did that as well uh, in my house. We went out, got out of the house actually in the morning and did stuff, and then came back. Um, different kind of holiday Thanksgiving, but it's a big one. It's one of the you know, it's one of the big ones, and. The whole everything shuts down. We're shutting down tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, which is unusual. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just think the football thing and the and the families and all that. It's so. I mean, you talk about a holiday that's been taken over by a sport. I mean, I hate to say it, but right. Most families embrace it. There are some out there that don't. At I least not. They don't have to. They're not required. At least they don't wholly embrace it. So the people that do want to embrace it in the family butt heads with those that don't. Like, this is a family gathering, and it's about family today, not football. How do you work around that? Give us a call. We've, we've, got, <laughs> we've got ways around it. You got, don't well, worry. You have to. Listen, it's a conflict that it will go on for years unless you nip it in the bud. That's correct. Um, Planning it, it may is have important. To do, it may have to do with who's hosting. I get it. Um, there's a ton of traditions on this holiday. This, this holiday is tradition-packed. The, the Thanksgiving Day parades on TV, do you do those? My dad does not miss that. Really? Big parade guy. He watches really? the Rose Parade every year on New Year's. Wow. Love, I don't know why. Big parade guy, this. and you know, growing up in New York, he he actually took us to the Thanksgiving Day oh, Parade really? a couple of times when me and my There's a couple sister hundred were kids. thousand people down there, right? It it gets pretty packed. But the good news here's the best thing about the genius of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. They've got inflatable giant balloons, right? So even if you're a little kid and you're six deep on the sidewalk, you can see it. All you gotta do is look up. Yeah, you can see everything. I mean, you're not seeing the bands coming by. You can hear them. But as a little kid, you're there to see the big balloons. And you can you, see them. I, listen, I'm, I'm as a traditionalist like, about like anybody else, but parades are tough these days. <laughs> it's, Sorry, that just struck me as funny. It's an With old, all the trials uh, and tribulations in the world, Steve just said the sentence, 
Parades are tough these days. They are. <laughs> I, I, need, I need to hear this. Listen, I, because listen, think I about it. We've got, I mean, this you got people good. out there, a lot of people with 54-inch <laughs> screen TVs. Parades you know, are tough. it's hard to draw people to go out and stand in the corner oh, on the side of the street. To draw an the, spe- the spectacle is not what it once was. Like you're talking about 1862 here, yeah. where there's no electronic devices at all. That's you know, it's a parade. You, people come out and see that because they don't. You know, there's nothing else to do. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna tell you though. After my dad retired, he and my he had my mom. He said, "We're going to the Rose Parade. I need to see that before I'm not on this earth anymore." So. They flew out to California to see the I Rose Parade. Watching a band come by and you see all the people out and stuff. Being out in the crowd and all that, okay. But let's be honest. But come Every on, one man. of those floats in the Rose Parade, there is nothing that is not – it's all organic. Like everything has to be naturally grown or you can't enter it. In the uh, Rose Parade. Yeah, I remember. Everything's I, listen, a plant, a used flower. used to blow my mind watching it as a kid. Like, there are 20,000 carnation leaves. Yeah. On the da-da-da, and there are 200,000 rose petals stuck to a da-da-da. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, uh, there can't be anything non-organic on the float outside of the I, frame I know this that is, it sits this on. Is, this heresy, but I do not care. I know. I but, do not care. But my dad It's was, a golf cart with cardboard on it dude you don't even know the dissertations i would get new year's morning about the rosebud oh do you realize chris uh, that I everything do, like I, dad i don't care dad i'm like when's the game start it's a box of flowers <laughs> i'm sitting there going when's the game on right <laughs> I, when's the rose I'm, bowl <laughs> i was born in 62 so i you know it's been a lot it was we had a tv yeah <laughs> right i get it <laughs> I, Plus, what, you're in, you're in the middle of Kansas. You're not getting clo- you're not close to any of those. It's <laughs> yeah. no offense. We ain't going across the street. And, yeah, we ain't going driving 20 minutes downtown. <laughs> Little different. I'll say you know you know at a small town parade. I'm going out. I'm watching the fire truck go by and a guy riding a horse with a flag. Good parade. <laughs> Fine. Uh, awesome. Kansas is finest. Yeah, the homecoming queen sitting in the back, up on the back of a convertible. Yeah, there you go. How are we Giving doing? the queen Elizabeth wave. With the sash know? on and everything. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, good parade. It's good little, parade. There you go. Class of 63. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Who's? This like, went, what class? This the went high the direction I was, went in the direction I was not anticipating. Um, uh, parades are, I, I don't know. I, they'll never die. They but, lost their luster for you, yeah, clearly. They, yeah, they, yes. All right, I would fair say enough. That. I would say. Fortunately, yes. we're going to end this conversation because Josh Allen is addressing the media. Right. So let's see what Josh has to say about the upcoming game against the Eagles. Eagles defense is. Uh, you saw a great defense last week. This one's probably right there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, they got some playmakers in the secondary position, um, and their their front makes makes their team go. Um, they got some. Studs on that defensive line, so we got to be ready for for that. We got to put together a good game plan, have a good week of practice, and um, turn all of our attention towards them. Along the lines of game plan, I know it's might be a stretch here, but they do only have one video of Brady calling the offense the way he did. Does that help in any way that they can't lock in and what you did the first ten games really? Only what they what Brady kind of showed. Does that matter or not? Um, I mean, you know, at the end of the day. Um, 
you know they are who they are we are who we are in terms of scheme like they don't they don't switch it up too often um they trust their scheme they trust their players um and i think that's kind of the same with us so you know i i wouldn't say it's a disadvantage to to have only one game called by by joe um you know may throw them for a loop but you know i i'm not in those rooms over there those meetings so i'm not quite sure what they're saying hey josh the uh, clip of you from the sideline has gotten a lot of attention this week i won't quote you exactly but it was i i feel like i'm back um what was it that gave you that feeling? And now that the adrenaline from the game has worn off a few days later, do you, do you still feel that way? Oh, I watched John Wick 3. That's what he says. So, I don't know. It was just pumped up on the sideline. Well, what, what had you pumped up? Uh, scoring, scoring some touchdowns. W- winning. Do you feel like that, do you feel like that uh, feeling is uh, can be duplicated? And... Uh, what what positives I guess have you taken out of that game now that you've watched it back? Um, I thought we ran the ball extremely well, and I think that's what opened up a lot of things for um, our offense. Obviously, our defense played a heck of a game. Reggie Gilliam, special teams player of the week, setting the the tone off the right way on that first kickoff. Um, but yeah, I think just the, trusting the process, not trusting the results, and. Again, we, we've got a long way to go in the season, but we can only take it one game at a time, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. That's a tough week that you went through to have a performance like that, a result like that under your belt as you prepare for a very good team in Philadelphia. How much does that help? Uh, I mean, it helps in terms of you know trying to replicate how we practiced last week, how we communicated, um, and just having that under our belt, knowing that the stuff that we did produces good results. So we're going to con- try to continue to do that. Um, each game, each team that you play is different. It's a different situation, different scenarios, different players, uh, different schemes. So you know we got to be we got to be ready for them. They're they're nine and, nine and one, right? Like defending NFC champions. Um, you know, dang near won the Super Bowl last year. So it's a really really good team with a really good quarterback and a really good defense. So it's going to take you know all three phases uh, for us to go in this game. how it went for you are you still going with that and either way just kind of how is it going um yeah i'm just trying to just trying to be myself out there and whatever it calls for me and you know whatever emotions i'm feeling i I feel like i play with my emotions on my sleeve and maybe i've been masking that the last few games or throughout this season um but need to need to let my guys know how much I care about this game and how much I care about them. So if that calls for emotion, that, that's what it calls for. Josh, um, you play Philadelphia, and after that you play Kansas City, right? Those guys played on Monday night. And your best Monday night voice, how do you assess that matchup watching? Uh, the other night, Monday night, again, um, I think both these defenses that, that both of them have are, are playing very well. Um, you know, when, when you have two of the top quarterbacks in the league and you pair them with a, a really good defense, that's a recipe for success typically. So um, I haven't really di- dove in or gotten into Kansas City because they're down the road and, you know, we're just trying to focus on the Eagles right now. Khalil. Khalil's been just had an uptick in production, obviously, in that play, obviously. But what have you seen from him since his time last year and to his growth to this point? Well, again, a guy that just does his job, does what he's asked to do. He'll go in there and he'll block. He'll do the dirty work. Um, a guy that you can rely on and trust that he's going to be in the right spot. He's extremely smart. 
He knows all the positions. Um, you know, I think him, you know, and Gabe and Steph work together extremely well. Um, they communicate very well, as, you know, on, on top of that. So, um, again, he's just found himself in, in good situations to make plays, and he's made those plays, but he's given himself that opportunity and given our team that opportunity by the way he prepares the the work ethic that he has and everything that he shows in practice and obviously in the game. Can you tell us a little bit about what Dalton Kincaid has provided for his offense the last five or six weeks and your just kind of relationship with him as it's evolved on the field? Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, I think he's top five or top six in tight end receptions and productions right now. Um, you know, like to see, like to get him in the end zone a few more times. Um, but in terms of just the things that we're asking him to do, he's excelling at them. Um, you know, that's why we, we drafted him in the first round because we thought he had this type of potential and um, he could be that type of player for us and he's going to continue to get better and our relationship's going to continue to grow and my trust in him um, will as well. So, um, what makes him special compared to you know, tight end rookie, say five, six in the league? What allows him to do that? Yeah, I think his body control, his catch radius, um, I think that he's kind of deceptive speed. Um, but he works extremely hard. He's he's willing and able to go in and block as well. But he just he takes coaching. He takes criticism well. Um, and again, I think he just continues to get better each and every week. And he loves the game. That's one thing. Like going down there and making that block on Khalil's Khalil's run. Like he just does things the right way, and he finds himself in good positions. Negative, but why did it take a while to get him up to speed in the offense, or is that just part of work? I think it's just progression as a as a rookie too. Like you can't just throw everybody into the lines and expect him to come out um, unscathed. But you know he's he's been working hard, and there's a couple little injuries early on in the year. Um, so he's playing he's playing good football for us right now. I know you've worked with Dion so long that there might not be much to this question, but just what are you seeing out of him this season? Like, what is he bringing to this offense? He's playing his best football of his career. He really is. Um, he's excited about you know stuff in the run game. He's he's taking such a professional approach in how he prepares. Um, you know, he's put in a lot of work this offseason in terms of you know his body composition and, and Will Greenberg, um, who's on our staff in the uh, weight room. They, they, they're connected at the hip. Uh, Dion is strict meal prep, diet. Like, he does everything the right way now. And um, not to say that he wasn't doing that before, but he has taken a huge emphasis on that and, you know, put it on his own shoulders to go and, and try to produce at the highest level that he, he can. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Well, in terms of, you know, pass block, run block, winning rates, and, um, you know, you see him pull around the corner, you, you better watch out because he's he wants to go and, and he wants to hit. And um, kind of the, the heartbeat of that line right now in, in terms of just the aggressiveness that he plays with. And, um, you know, he's, he's grown so much over the last few years. I think everybody would tell you that. Um, and I freaking love the guy. Josh, I follow up on Dion real quick. Um, he pulls. I mean, he just seems to get out from the running back right now. It's just, just don't get this way type of thing. What do you see when he gets out in front of the backs? Yeah, let's call those plays. You know, like let's let's get him in space. He's extremely athletic for a big guy. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen his calves. Great calves. Yeah. I'll... Josh. 
Yeah, no, you're good. Great calves. <laughs> Great pause. Um, I know 24 hours after the game, you have to move on and turn the page. I know momentum's only as good as your last play. But last week, energy was a focus. Can that carry over? Can, can that energy carry over from one week to another? Yeah, and I think it has to. Um, you know, we've talked a lot internally about how to how to kind of spark or ignite this team, and um, you know, we feel like we're in a good spot right now. And obviously, backs are still against the wall. We we still got to go win a lot of lot more games, but you can't win the next one. You got to win this one, and that's all our focus is on is uh, the Philadelphia Eagles um, Sunday at 4:25 over there, and you know, we got to do everything we can to to put our best foot forward and give ourselves the best opportunity to go win a game. Is it easier to lock in when your backs are against the wall knowing who you're playing? Knowing the caliber opponent, does it make you find like a new level of focus? Um, I mean, I think it's we, we try to take a consistent approach here in terms of, you know, who we're, who we're playing against and every every game matters the same. Um, and obviously as you get on in, later into the year, um, you know, you have to have that mindset and that focus of this game is the most important game because it is the next one, and that's that's how we feel. You spoke earlier. You spoke earlier about trusting the process over the results, but there was a stretch there where you guys weren't getting those results. How do you stay committed to the process when you're not seeing that, and then you get a better sense of confidence in that process when you have a game like Sunday, where you see the results of hey, this is the offense we can beat. Yeah, I think because uh, we do see it, we we see the type of team that we can be. Um, and we've talked about it internally, and uh, we understand that. And you know, we have to play our best, our best ball on, you know, on Sunday, and every game that we enter to from here on out. Um, but again, like we're, you know, you could talk about the losses, you could talk about this. Like I think the the combined points of the five losses that we have are 23 points or something like that. So. You know, we've been close, and we've been right there in every single game. And, you know, um, if, if we could have played better, obviously, who knows what could happen um, or what could have been. But we can't focus on that right now. We can only focus on what's going on and um, how, how to move forward. And, again, that's just taking it week by week. Josh, your son, Anthony Morris, was named the um, nominee for the Sportsmanship Award, Arkansas Sportsmanship Award for the league, for your team. You've been with them since your second year. There are different stages in your life, maybe, but what's your relationship with him? I don't know if you feel how much has he meant to you. He's been he's been a lot to me in, ter- in terms of my career, um, having that trust in in him to go do it. And if there's anybody on this team that deserves the sportsmanship award, it's him. He is an all-time guy, um, one of the nicest dudes in the world. If I love him, I love his family. Um, you know, he's he's meant a lot to me for in my career here, and. Um, you know, that's, that's a special award, too. I know guys can look up. Like, if, if you're a kid and you want to see someone who plays football the right way and treats people the right way, it's Mitch Morse. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, Josh Allen talking about Mitch Morse, who is one of the 32 nominees league-wide. He is the Bills nominee for the NFL Sportsmanship Award. Uh, we were going to mention that a little bit later on, but Josh took care of that for us, so we thank him for that. We have to take a break here, but when we come back, we have to assemble prior to the triple header on Thursday, your ultimate fantasy lineup for week 12 of the NFL season. Field Yates will join us to help us with that when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. (laughs) 
Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And at this point in time, we bring in ESPN NFL insider, fantasy football analyst Field Yates for our ultimate fantasy lineup. Presented by FanDuel, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Download the app today and make every moment more. I don't want to get Bills fans too excited here, Field, but there are some Buffalo Bills in the lineup this week. Say it isn't so. I know, Brownie, back-to-back weeks after some recent Bills action as well with Dalton Kincaid. You know, as I often remind people, though, the Bills play so many primetime games that uh, they're often not available during this main slate. So uh, that's part of it. But the other part about the Bills is that, you know, in Daily Fantasy, you're not typically going for the most expensive guys. And with the way the Josh and Stefan have performed this year, uh, Josh being the uh, highest uh, scoring player in all of fantasy, he's going to be so expensive that you tend to fade those kind of guys because everybody is grabbing them. But Josh does make the team this week as he's priced at 9200 bucks, but the matchup is just too good to ignore. You know, this Philly defense has really struggled this season to defend the pass. Uh, we saw it on Monday night in the first half when it felt like the Chiefs were going to be able to put up a whole bunch of points. And then Kansas City's second half offensive performances, uh, struggles, I should say, continued uh, in that uh, game against Philadelphia. They ended up losing. But you think about how much different that game could be. Patrick Mahomes throws an interception in the end zone. Meanwhile, he also has a what 60-yard or a 50-plus-yard bomb to Marquez Valdez-Scantling with a minute 45 left to go in the game that just flies right between the wickets. So uh, this is a very vulnerable defense, and with the way that Josh has performed this season, the value is just too good to ignore, even at the $9,000-plus-dollar price tag. Yeah, that's good stuff. And, and hopefully uh, from your fantasy sheet, to God's ears. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Rashad White and Jerome Form, your two running backs here at Indianapolis and at Denver. Yeah, so let's start with uh, Rashad White. And, you know, efficiency is something that you like from your running backs. You know, James Cook provides plenty of that, as we know, up in Buffalo. But uh, opportunity is also really important in fantasy football. And Rashad White just keeps catching a ton of passes. He leads that Bucks backfield in terms of carries as well. They probably have the thinnest backfield in the entire NFL. Behind him, it's Keyshawn Vaughn and also Chase Edmonds. So the role is just too good to ignore. Meanwhile, for Jerome Ford, this Denver defense can be run on. Uh, they've been better, obviously, in recent weeks defensively, but don't bother throwing it with a couple of guys that have you know all pro potential and Pat Sertan the second and Justin Simmons safety back there. So you end up leaning on these running backs instead. And as we know with Cleveland, you multiply the good matchup with the fact that their quarterback is Dorian Thompson Robinson. Really, at least in my opinion, struggled to put up legitimate uh, passing threats to opposing defenses. So I figure Jerome Ford should be a busy man once again on Sunday. All right, and then we've got one of the uh, most impressive young players in the league, a volume guy every single week, even with Cooper Cup kind of returning to the Rams lineup. Uh, Everybody's favorite, Puka Nakua, leads your receiving core this week. That's right, Brownie. He's been really good this year, has kind of tapered off of late, you know, Cup's presence, and then just the general struggles of this Los Angeles offense have contributed to that. Priced at over 8200 bucks, but the matchup is really good. Uh, this Cardinals defense, I think, is kind of scrappy, but they're just so limited in terms of personnel in the secondary that it should be no surprise if Matthew Stafford looks more like himself. Cardinal, excuse me, the Rams got a big win this past weekend. Uh, meanwhile, I'm going to throw people off the scent here a little bit with E.T. Perry. 
Uh, Six-round pick out of Wake Forest. So if you're amongst the draft Twitter aficionados, you probably remember him from about seven or eight months ago. And big body receiver who had a touchdown last time the Saints played. But the important part here is that Michael Thomas is going to miss some time. So with Michael Thomas unavailable, A.T. Perry steps into a larger role. And we're always looking for those dart throws because if you spend down at one spot, you can spend up at another spot. And that brings us to Stephon Diggs. Of course, uh, Diggs has been exceptional this season, a little quieter over these past four games than he was for the first seven games of the season. But I mentioned during the Josh synopsis just how good the matchup is, and there's no better Bills receiver on the roster, of course, than Steph. He should be a busy man on Sunday in a good matchup. Wouldn't surprise me if we had one of those 10-catch, 100-plus yard, and a touchdown effort from Diggs. And then you go down, excuse me, you go down to Jacksonville for Evan Ingram against Houston. Houston's playing really good, but you still like this matchup. I do, yeah. They've played really well. And obviously, CJ Stroud's been, you know, kind of the story of the NFL in some ways this year, at least amongst the rookies, but really good matchup. They've struggled to defend opposing tight ends. And uh, Ingram is so, so due, guys. He has a lot of catches this year, as he always does. He has yet to score a touchdown this season. But Trevor Lawrence maybe sort of found a little bit of momentum and some rhythm last week when he had a four-total touchdown game. And uh, Evan Ingram should be one of his busiest targets in the passing game. Uh, and for whatever reason, the and maybe it's not I – don't, I don't think it's a personnel thing because they don't – or at least they haven't had available a bunch of top-flight corners. But since the beginning of last season, no team has allowed fewer passing touchdowns to wide receivers – and the Texans, it's kind of a super skill of theirs that transcends two coaching staffs. So uh, fade the wide receivers generally and lean into the tight ends against Houston. And then your flex player is a player on a desperate roster that needs division wins and conference wins badly. Does that ever factor yeah. in when you make these decisions? Well, I think what it at least tells us, Brownie, is that they don't have a choice here. Like, they have to throw the ball on Sunday. In this case, it's the Bengals and Tyler Boyd. And, uh, you know, it's two, they have no margin for error anymore, right? I mean, this is a team that uh, is now without Joe Burrow for the rest of the season, five and five as well. We know they're talented, but uh, the schedule down the stretch is doing them no favors. And, uh, you know, they certainly are amongst the teams that you're most concerned about getting into the playoffs in the AFC. So Tyler Boyd uh, priced at 5,600 bucks, you know, baked into this is the idea that T Higgins might not play. I don't think you're going to get uh, Boyd for much cheaper than that during a week week in which he could very well play that number two receiver role for Cincinnati. So Boyd at 5600 bucks, not a bad little flex option there. One of the things about it, too, you talk, I talk myself into all of these picks. Like it, it could be that with Pittsburgh changing offensive coordinators, maybe they do get a little boost and get, score some more points, and then Cincinnati keeps their foot on the gas just for that much longer in a game that could be 10-7, to 7, but it could also be 30-27. to 27. Yeah, I mean, it worked for the Bills, right? Offensive explosion right. this past week after changing coordinators uh, against a very good Jets defense, obviously. Um, but, you know, that Pittsburgh is looking for any kind of life it can find right. on uh, on offense. The Bills' uh, woes under Ken Dorsey were much less dramatic uh, than they were or they are right now in Pittsburgh under Matt Canada. So uh, maybe that new sort of blended coaching staff in Pittsburgh will help kickstart things a little bit and turn this into a bit of a shootout. Uh, but I expect no shootout with my defensive pick, and that's the Broncos and they play the Browns and the Browns you know how many teams right now just can't score touchdowns I mean, you guys saw one last week up close and personal with the Jets you know 
the Giants until this past week uh, when they went crazy against the Commanders, struggling to score touchdowns. The Patriots really struggling to score touchdowns. The Steelers, the Browns, uh, even until recently it was the Broncos, but the Broncos have really turned their season around. I mean, there's so many teams that are just so bad on offense right now across the NFL, but uh, one team that is improving defensively is the Broncos, and it's a great, great matchup Sunday afternoon for uh, Denver to continue to take advantage of, and uh, a game that has some, all of a sudden, pretty important playoff implications because Denver finds itself at least on the radar for that third and final wild card spot. Yeah, on a bit of a roll here after they turned it around in recent weeks, including a victory over Buffalo here at Highmark Stadium not too long ago. Field, thanks as always. Have a great Thanksgiving with your family. We'll catch up with you next week. Thank you, guys, and happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and always a great time to be a part of the program. We'll talk to you guys again in our normal slot next Thursday afternoon. Sounds good. All right, that's Field Yates, ESPN NFL insider and fantasy football expert with this week's lineup the ultimate fantasy lineup presented by FanDuel. Steve and I will take a break. Be back with more of your phone calls when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, Bills fans, it's another giveaway week. Enter for your chance to win a signed Rasul Douglas football at buffalobills.com slash giveaway presented by Ticketmaster. Let's get over the phones. Football relationship hotlines open at 803-0550, We'll also take your calls on the bills or anything on your mind regarding the team. So we'll lead off today with Ed in Kenmore. What do you got for us, Ed? Hey, hi, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanks. to you as well. Um, yeah, I'm just concerned about and see if I... You probably don't remember me, but when I was 13, I met you at training camp. You almost ran me over with your wet scooter from Channel 7. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry. Anywho, I'm just a little bit concerned with the defensive backs being out if we still have a chance to have a good defense against Philadelphia. Yeah, Ed, it'll certainly make the task harder. I don't think there's any question about that, Ed. Um, you know, as we mentioned earlier with the practice report, you've got – Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson in concussion protocol. They did not practice. Taylor Rapp, even though all his tests came back negative on his neck injury that saw him loaded into an ambulance in last week's game, did not practice either. And then you have Micah Hyde and Cam Lewis, who are also a little nicked up, and they were limited in practice. That's five defensive backs on the injury report. That's not good. Crazy as it sounds, it may be Taylor Rapp that has the best chance of getting back. Right. Uh, But – you know, the concussion protocols are what they are. No matter, there's yeah. five stages, and you can get back in a week, but you got to start practicing and then have a day to check out the repercussions of the practice and then practice again if you're okay. Compare it to your baseline. Compare it to your baseline and all that. So they got a they got a ways to go, and they haven't started practicing yet. So yeah, if they start practicing, that would be a good sign. That would mean they are in step four already of the five step return to participation protocol. So. Got to cross your fingers and hope for that in the next yeah. couple of days here. Let's go to Butch on the east side. What do you got for us, Butch? First of all, before I even get started, I want to just tell you guys, happy Thanksgiving to you and your families uh, tomorrow. Uh, I want you all to get your nice little rock, you know, recliner. You know how you get that good <laughs> Thanksgiving nap. You understand what I mean? When you, Everybody think you're watching TV, but your eyes is closed until they start talking to you. Then yeah. you snap. I want you to have that because you guys deserve it. I appreciate it. God bless you. But I want to get right into this right here, and I'm going to, I'm going to hang up. 
Uh, yesterday, I was watching, listening to the show as usual. I'm always listening if I'm not speaking. Uh, and uh, a gentleman called, and Steve was right on point with it when he was talking about uh, trading for trading Stefan Diggs. And, and I shook my head because I got angry, you know. And, but Steve, Steve cleaned it up for me. He said it perfectly. He said the street and the highway and the avenue to the Hall of Fame. Stefan Diggs is already on that. To change that route, to change, to change the directions of where he's going will be foolish on Stefan Diggs. He, Steve didn't say foolish. I did. He would be foolish to do that. I'm letting you know now, and for all the fans out here, because everybody know we love the Bills. It's three core players that to get that we have on our team that's going that should stay. And I want Brandon Bean to always remember that. You keep Stefan Diggs with Josh Allen, and this next guy I'm about to bring up because this is the reason why I called. His name is Dalton Kincaid. These three alone, and along with Josh, need them two to get there to get there. But now I want to say this, and I'm done. It's just, you got Justin Jefferson, you got Chase, you have. Uh, you got Lamb, you have um, uh, uh, another young receiver coming to me, uh, Perkins uh, from uh, Pittsburgh. These young players, young receivers in their 20s, early 20s, in their name, household name. I want, I want Sean McDermott, and let it be clear, Dalton Clayton is our starting tight end. I don't care if, if Knox come back or not. Dalton Clayton, Dalton Kincaid. Is a, he's a top – he's a really a receiver, but he's up there with Justin. He just don't have the numbers like Justin. I want his swag to start doing I want the man to pump his chest out. Not to be arrogant, but just to go ahead and say, yo, this is my city. These fans are my Just like Steve used to do. I'm going to pick on you, Steve. When you used to go and make a tackle and you will do your little flip you used to do when you used to go knock somebody down and roll over. I even used – I'm going to use one of your words, Steve, that you use. I'm not going to be funny now, but you started it. You talk about somebody, your shingles fell off. You said a guy went up to the house. Your guy, your guy went up to the, 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 the side of the house like a monkey. That's what you said. Anyway, you should do those little flips and stuff like that and be pumping the crowd up. I want Dalton Kincaid to have that same swag and own this city and let the city own him because he's just that special. And moving forward, I want the confidence like that in him. And I just wanted to mention that. But you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. And I want that core, Brandon Bean, keep those three together. But I want our coach to come out publicly and say, Dalton Kincaid is our starting tight end, regardless if somebody's 100% healthy. I love you guys, man. Thanks so much for the call. Thanks, Butch. Uh, Have a great Thanksgiving yourself. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's in Dalton Kincaid's disposition to be out there doing backflips. I don't know that that's who he is. Uh, And you could be resolutely confident and not need to do that. I never saw Bruce Smith doing any backflips anywhere. Oh, that's a good point. Um, um, that guy was yeah, resolutely uh, confident. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see when Dalton, when Dawson Knox does come back, how they're going to use him because you certainly don't want to sit Kincaid down. And I know that we've heard the old adage that you don't lose your position because of an injury. Um, that kind of changed when I was in the league because if you got to, if you start clicking with a new guy in there. And the old guy gets healthy, and you ain't changing it up. And you do what's best for the team. You do what's best for the team in any given situation. Um, things change by the time you're back in the – you know, in a couple of weeks, things change drastically for NFL teams. So if they're clicking with this other guy in there, they ain't going to change it. Now, they may try you in on a certain situation to match up better uh, with you and the other guy. Like, like we're talking about Kincaid and Knox. You, know, you can go 12 personnel with those two guys in. 
but yeah, that old adage, never losing your position because of injury, I don't really think exists too much anymore. Um, best guy plays. And if the guy's playing, he's got the hot hand. It's just like leaving a running back in the rotation. Leave him in there and give him the ball some more. So, I'm, uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if Dalton Kincaid didn't take the lion's share of the snaps at tight end You know, in the coming weeks, whether Dawson Knox is healthy or, healthy or not. But that doesn't mean Knox isn't going to play at all if yeah. he's healthy. Let's go to Mike in a car next. What do you got, Mike? Hey, guys. One of my worries of uh, the rest of the season is we've given up a ton of points and lost three games and probably should have lost the Giants game um, with our defense against the no huddle. And I don't know if it's been mentioned to McDermott or if anybody's made comment about it, but, you know, you look at the, the Jets game. They went right down the field. Um, we came back and got the field goal to tie it. You go the, the Giants game right down the field, and luckily they didn't call a second pass interference. You look at the um, the Denver game right down the field. Um, the New England game right down the field. And the Tampa game, they you know, they had a Hail Mary. Um, it just seems to me that we've got, we've got real problems in our two-minute defense uh, in stopping the other team's no huddle because we haven't been able to do it once this year. I would argue that in three of those games that you referenced, Mike, the offense didn't do enough, and neither did the special teams to help the defense. And you say, well, what difference no does that make? They're not on the field. And I would just say they weren't helped with field position. They weren't helped with point production. Um, and they weren't helped with turnovers. So those, And granted, they're responsible for getting takeaways themselves, and they had a six-week stretch where they didn't get takeaways. So you want to put that on them. I'm all on board with that. But I think you can make the argument, just to counter what you're saying, Mike, that the, that the offense and special teams were not playing up to snuff in their phases of the game. And I think there's it, no question about and that. I think there's it no contributed. And, and so my point is, Mike, that that contributed to wearing out a defense where they're just not capable of playing their best at the end of a football game because they've lost the time of possession in almost all of those games as well. There were some of those games that you referenced, the Giants game, for example. Defense was on the field for almost 40 minutes. Now, you want to make the say, hey, you got to play as long as you got to play. That's great. But if you expect them to play the same at the same rate of effectiveness in minutes 38, 39, and 40 as they did in minutes 5 through 10, I think it's a little unrealistic. I'm not trying to be an apologist for the defense. I'm just trying to point out there were other phases of the team that contributed to them. You know, eventually the dam's going to break yeah. is kind of what I'm saying. No, no question. But my, my point is, is that there's five situations where that defense has failed. And might they be looking at something else to do in terms of how they run the, against a, a two-minute offense yeah, I yeah. I'll say this, Mike. Has I, I, to do. Uh, thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it. And here's what my point about that. You're right. Uh, there have been too many instances where it looked like the the Bills played soft, a little too soft, and gave them too many yards. Like the 13 second game, you can go in uh, the Kyler Murray, Hale Murray game. The the yeah, uh, but he's talking about just this year, right? I think there has been times when you can say, well, yeah, they probably were playing too cautious and giving them too much so they can get down the field and maybe have a shot at a Hail Mary or a field goal. They, tr they did try some things different. If you remember, I believe it was in the Tampa game, or maybe it was in the – No, they uh, blitzed in the Denver game they, on third and that's ten. That's right. All-out blitz. The blitz. They, they tried something different. That's my, that was exactly what I was going to say. They 
they did try something different in the Denver game, and it, and it bit them because they underthrew the football and got a, a cheap pass interference call. Yeah. So they are trying different things. And I thought that, even though it didn't work in that Denver game, I thought that was a signal that that's not going to be the case all the time anymore. And I, I, was, I was encouraged by that, even though it blew up in their face with the spot that's foul. That's just bad luck on that. In the spot foul, it, it blew up in their face. It's still a huge tendency breaker for a team that you're right. Sometimes looks like they're playing just a little too cautious in those two-minute situations. Yeah, and you could argue that it worked in terms of getting the desired result. You got a quarterback throwing off his back foot, well, he chucking it, it up in the he air. chucked it and ducked. Right, and you know if a, if a defensive back's in the right position, that's probably an interception, not pass right. interference. Right. So in essence – the result of that play was what you wanted. You just unfortunately had a player out of position I think who's racing to get back in the play, bumps into a player, and gets called for P.I. I think the answer is somewhere between a zero blitz yeah. and hugely soft prevent defense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's somewhere be in the a tendency there. breaker in some way. Yeah, it was a tendency breaker in that Denver game. But, I, yeah, I'm with you, though, Mike. I think they've addressed it, and they're, they're looking at it, and that – that play that we're talking about in the Denver game is evidence of that. They are trying to find alternative solutions. Break time here. When we come back, more of your phone calls. We'll also hear from uh, the takeaway star of this team the last two weeks, Rasul Douglas. He's coming up in hour number two as he addresses the media. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome back for hour number two. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. This week's game against the Eagles, presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. We make doctors. I love it. Pretty pretty effective manufacturing over there. Boom! Making doctors. Lord knows we need them. Uh, 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. And got some people holding, so let's get right to them. We go to Alex in Texas next. What do you got for us, Alex? Hey, Chris and Steve, how you doing? Doing great. Hey, Chris, I just want to back you up on the point you made earlier before we uh, A lot of Bill fans talking about, you know, the losses that we've been taking on Considering, you know, and, uh, more importantly, two injuries that we had. Yeah, yeah, Alex, I'm that. sorry. I got to put you on hold here because you're breaking up on us. Got a bad connection there. So I'm going to come back to you, and hopefully it sounds a little bit better. In the meantime, we will go to Andrew out in Auburn. What do you got for us, Andrew? Hey, guys. Uh, how you doing today? Um, I just wanted to take a little issue with that caller that had issues with the defense um, I got to give kudos to the Bills defense. They've kept this team in these in all five losses. They've kept them in the game in every every single one of them. And uh, even with the injuries they've had, the guys that they've had in that are replaced the injured players have really stepped up. 
mean, you're giving up 20 to 24 points a game on a consistency on a consistent basis. I mean, uh, the, the issue wasn't the defense. The issue was the offense wasn't scoring enough. And uh, I, I just have to say that I, I've heard a lot of talk, you know, people complaining about the defense because they gave up a couple late drives. But, you know, do you forget the rest of the game? Do you forget that they – I think they only gave up three points to Burrow and the Bengals in the second half. That's right. I mean, they're doing a phenomenal job this year. Um I just want to give them my kudos. Yeah, that's kind of not getting a fair shake. Yeah, I I agree with you totally, Andrew. That's kind of why I got a little defensive when Mike and Akar brought that up. Uh, I don't think he was trying to disparage the defense. He's just concerned that late in games they've given up scores, some of which have cost them football games. The New England one obviously sticks out, um, and Cincinnati, uh, although they were behind most of that game anyway. But I mean, we've been talking for weeks about how this defense has been holding it together with duct tape and staples and they've still been playing pretty darn well. They've been doing a lot. They've been doing more with less. So yeah, uh, hopefully they can get healthy on the back end here because they are playing a supremely gifted offense this week in the Philadelphia Eagles in their building. And you, you hate to go into games like that shorthanded, but hopefully, uh, they can be on the mend here and get healthy real fast. But, yes, I would agree with you. The defense has been playing great in light of the circumstances with which they've been faced. Yeah. Uh, you can you can always – and I think the adjustment period was when they were kind of going those games without getting any turnovers because you got a lot of guys playing some new positions, some new guys mixed in, some different combinations mixed in even on the front. And guys are kind of feeling their way around with new surroundings and – they don't play as aggressively or as confidently, and uh, you don't get turnovers unless you play like that. Yeah. Let's go to Vince in Rochester next. What do you got for us, Vince? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, I've, got, I've got two questions. The first one, I, I guess I should probably direct this uh, to Steve. Steve, on a team where the head coach calls the plays during game, um, on a team like that, like, let's say like uh, uh, Andy Reid or uh, whoever, What's the on a team like that? What's the responsibility of the offensive coordinator since they're not calling the plays? And the second question is, on the injury report, sometimes it'll show the reason for the player not playing is coach's decision, and I wondered what that meant. Well, if a player's not playing because it's a coach's decision, he got benched basically for one okay. reason or another. Uh, the head coach calling the plays on offense or the defense, uh, the coordinator is would largely be title only. Um, like the perception in Kansas City when Andy Reid was calling the plays and Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator, everybody was giving Andy Reid the credit for the offense, not Eric Bieniemy. So he actually had to leave and go to Washington to see if he, you know, to take over that offense before. You know, people would take him seriously as a play caller and an offensive coordinator, and a so, potential head coach, and a potential candidate. head coach candidate. So, it's it's largely, um, you know, a title. They do have a ton of work to do, even if they're not calling the plays. Uh, there's brainstorming. They're fil- they're breaking down film. They're brainstorming with their staff about matchups and game planning and strategies and and contingency plans and backup plans and all that. But they're just not calling the plays. They could be handling substitutions as well. You know, if they're on the sideline, they're next to the head coach who's calling the plays. They might have, might be responsible for substituting substitutions, 
clock management. They could be handed any number of duties that the head coach, who's got a lot on his plate, may just want to delegate and say, hey, look, just manage the clock for me. Just let, you know, tell me, hey, you know, we got 120 here. Right. This, that, and the other. Yeah, think about a timeout. If we, don't, if we get the first down, think about a timeout. If we, you know, that kind of and stuff. And it varies from one staff yeah. to another, depending on what the head coach who's calling the plays wants to be responsible for. So it's not like they're just sitting there with a clipboard twiddling their thumbs. They have a function. How they, how they break down the communications on the headsets on game day is critical to their success and their ability to adjust on the fly. They've got to have eye, and you know, you see all the. You, we've all seen it up in the coaches' booth. There's like nine guys up there, right? And we've all seen the raft of coaches there. They always have the camera on the coordinator, whether it's offense or defense. And then there's all these guys behind. Yeah, there's them. a flotilla of people. All those guys have a headset, and they all have a voice, and they all have a responsibility of what they are watching and every given play. Like, this guy's watching the safeties. That guy's watching the far corner. This guy's watching the near corner. This guy's watching the shift. This, you know, whatever it is. Somebody's watching the secondary, see right. what the coverages are, and he's charting somebody, them. And somebody's watching their sideline. Yeah. Uh, somebody's catching their personnel. Who's in? Who's out? And they all, and you got to communicate that to the guy who actually has to call the play against it or for it. So there's a lot going on. And it's going on really fast. And as succinct and concise as you can make that communication, the better. The coordinate, and it all goes into the guy who's actually calling the play. And then there's the stuff that's this analytic stuff that comes into that too. Say, hey, if it's if we get it's third and seven, if we get six, we should go for it. If it's third and if it's fourth and two, we should go for it. Yeah. If we get it, take a timeout. That kind of stuff, unless the clock is stopped, that kind of thing. All that goes into it, and it's all, you know, you can imagine the chatter going on, and everybody has to pick their spot and who they're listening to and who they're not listening to. Let's get back to the phones and to Steve and Amherst. What do you got for Steve? Well, I'd like to make a comment about uh, Mr. Joe Brady. What I liked about him is I thought, I saw right away as he brought the word that I could think of best as he brought stability right away, and you could see it on the field. That stability brought and was breeding confidence. And with the confidence, the offense gets better. So I have a question because I haven't played football, organized tackle in 50 years. I'm getting a little old. And I was wondering how many men the Bills would be allowed to put into a motion, and at what point does anything like that, you know, explain to me a little bit how the rule illegal motion might work. Okay, here's, here's how the rule, you have to have everybody set for, that says a second, but you really just have to get stopped. And then you can shift as many guys as you want out of that. But if you have more than one guy moving, they all have to get set again before the ball can be snapped. Only one guy can be moving at the snap. Yeah. And that he can only move after everybody has been set for a beat. And he can only move across the formation. He can't move at the line of scrimmage. Yes, he has to go sideways. Like they can in the CFL. Right. He can't. He has to go side. Now they're letting that slide a lot these days. You'll see guys leaning bending. in and bending in towards the line <laughs> of scrimmage. But only one. <clears throat> once everybody is set, only one. Everybody can shift. But a shift is different than motion. A shift is when everybody lines up and 
the quarterback will make a call and everybody will stand up, move around, and then they'll set again and stop. And nobody can move. And then one guy can shift from there and the ball can be snapped. Or you can shift once, everybody can stop, shift again, and everybody else can move again, but you have to stop before the ball is snapped. Um, so, And then somebody can move if you want to have somebody in motion. So that's, that's the way it works. One guy can be in motion at the snap, but he can only do it when he's the only guy who has moved since the last set. It's, Hope that's. It sounds more. I'm not explaining it really clearly, but it and it sounds more complicated than it is. But yeah, I did my best. I, you did better I'm, than I could. Have. I'm, I'm unaccustomed to public speaking, so. <laughs> Uh, we are going to turn to the post-practice podium now as Rasul Douglas, who is coming off a masterful performance in the win over the Jets on Sunday. Three takeaways, two via the interception, one fumble recovery. He's addressing the media. Let's hear his thoughts on the upcoming game against the Eagles now. I, I don't know. I don't even know how they uh, give those awards out. I, I received them before, but I, I don't know how it goes. I don't know if the players vote, the coaches vote. GMs, I don't know who does it. So. The, uh, the three-takeaway game, I mean, being it's your third game with the Bills, yes. kind of shows a pretty good awareness of you to jump right in here you know, with both feet running, which a lot of guys who get traded at the deadline aren't able to do. Can you just yeah. talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think the first game I came, man, when I played versus Cincy, and I was a little sketchy and, um, and stuff like that. I just, not just, I just wasn't being me. You know, I was, I was trying to show that I, I understood the defense and I knew what I was supposed to do. And then um, I know the second game, Diggs just grabbed me before the game. He was like, bro, like, we brought you here to be you. Like, don't be out there thinking. Like, play a game. Like, you got the defense. Like, you know it. He was like, Micah and Poya, they, they doing a good job telling you what it is. He was like, now let's like, like, be you. You know what I mean? So I just kind of just keep taking that approach of just being me and, and making plays. And uh, the back end guys, they, they do a, a great job of just communicating me and what they want from me in every situation, whether it's walkthroughs, the game, they tell me. This is how we see you playing. This is how we see you doing it. And I just try to do it. Yeah. What does that mean to you to have a guy like Trey, you know, take it? Obviously, he's a teammate now, but you've been around the league. I mean, you know how to play in this league. You're successful. Yeah. Yeah. You have a guy like that take your side and say, hey, hey, you know, just just do what you do. I mean, yeah, you're probably going to be you. you sometimes know? you need that. Sometimes you need that for sure. Was it Trey or Steph? Steph, Steph. Steph. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, Steph. I thought yeah, it was yeah, Trey. Yeah, no, yeah. They're yeah. making sure. Yeah. Either way, man. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. Russell, how do you go ahead. Russell. You know, you get thrown into the Bengals game, and they've got some legitimate weapons with Chase and with Higgins. Now again, you've got some very legitimate weapons with A.J. Brown, with Devonta Smith. As a, For your job, how do you approach a team that has so much talent at that position? Uh, you just got to watch the guys closely, see what they do, um, and just be ready for a challenge. Like, you, I mean, it's a league. You love going against the best players that are in the league. So it's going to be a good challenge for us. When, have you, uh, when did you develop this nose for the football? All of a sudden, the last two and a half years, Ball is like a magnet to you lately. I mean, I feel like I always had it. In high school, I had six picks in the year. College, I led the lead in, in picks. So, I mean, I think I always had it. Is it a confidence boost to be able to put together kind of the game you did against the Jets to have that performance in this defense and kind of get that, you know, taken care of, checked off? Yeah, nah, you, yeah, you want to make plays. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's what I think anybody wants to do. Yeah. Uh, it's just now it's just about stacking them, trying to do it again and again and again. So that's just my mindset. You have some friends on that side uh, of the field that you'll be playing against this oh, weekend. Philly? Yeah, Brandon's been there a yeah, while. Fletcher, what's your relationship with those guys? Oh, no, they're all still great friends of mine. Like, we still talk all the time, uh, call each other, see each other, stuff like that, FaceTime each other. So it's all good. 
What's it, what's it like going back to Philly? Um, it's been a while. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, but uh, it's, it's a great environment. Uh, and, and now they're one of the best teams in the league, so they've been that way the last few years. So. Is, this the first, is this the first or second time? No, nah, second. Second? second? Yeah. So you said, you said you've been that way in high school and college. What what about you either instinctually or skill-wise you know, makes you that kind of ball-hawking type of player? Uh, I think I just got crazy ball skills, honestly. And um, and those just show out when the ball just is around my area, where to some people they just go for deflections and stuff. I think my mindset is always I'll get the turnover. Well, that's good. I like that mindset because it's working. Yeah. Four takeaways in the last two games for Rasul Douglas. My goodness. And, I mean, it couldn't have come at a better time because, yeah. as we mentioned, Steve, the Bills were on a six-game interceptionless streak before his two picks last Sunday against the Jets. It was the second longest in team history in terms of an interception draft. Yeah, and you got to have that mentality, and, and he's right. Some guys have ball skills, and it just doesn't. It's no big deal when the ball comes to them. They they kind of have a. Other guys, you know, fight it, man. Yeah, it's they like fight the ball. They work hard to not catch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, it's just a it's a mindset that some you got to work yourself out of if you're in it, and uh, it's hard to find. Some guys just it's just as natural as can be, man. They expect the ball to be there. It's gonna make it. They're gonna make a play on it. Uh, other guys, you know, you see Rasul Douglas. He steps in front of. Of Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, and he catch it. He didn't even catch it clean. He catch it kind of off his shoulder pad and his arm. Some of these guys are out there, and it th- they throw it right in their chest. There ain't nobody around, and it goes, it bangs right to the ground. Yeah, it's just, you know, hands are as much about as what's between your ears as it is between what's at the end of your arms. Yeah, um, it's just a mindset, and he's right. Uh, when the ball's in the air and you feel like you got a chance at it, it really makes all the difference. I'm still sore about. It. <laughs> His forward progress being called on that play ah. when he gave it to Micah and on the lateral and Micah's yeah. running down the field and was- no 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 down by contact no no wait 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 no forward progress that's it that's what we that's what we meant to say forward progress the ball's going to be spotted yeah. here oh wait hold on where's the chain gang nope 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 not over there guys come down this way oh wait we didn't mark off the penalty right okay hold on. Oh, my Lord. That was something else. I still cannot get over that. And you know that every NFL team gets the opportunity to grade the officiating crew that did their game, both teams, and they also get to submit plays that they have a grievance about. That they have finger quotes they want clarifications on. Clarifications. That's a wonderful euphemism. That's exactly what they yeah. I am willing to bet that the Bills this past week submitted somewhere between 8 to 10 clarifications. That would be that's my a, ballpark actually, guess. That's actually kind of a run of, run of the mill. I've heard some teams go as high as 20. Whoa! And I know this, too. There was a situation in that we game. We lost a down! Yeah. The situation where the Bills got robbed of a down. Like a first, second, and third down. They went from first down to first down. To third down. Yeah. Because it was first down penalty. It w- so it's turned into a first it and five. It could have been worse. It was a, it, it was a holding 
on the defense. Yeah, so it went from a first and 10 to a first and five. And it should have been a first and 10 with a five-yard penalty. It right. should have been first and 10, not first and five on the same down markers. It should have been gone from first and 10 at the 30 to first and 10 at the 35 or whatever the yard line was. Right. It went from <laughs> first and 10 to first and five. Then they lost a yard or something. So yeah, they and lost two yards, so it was then, second and seven. Then it was third sticks, down. But the sticks looked like they were second and 13. Right. And so the sticks are wrong. The down is wrong. Like, they got it all wrong. They completely, completely botched it. And then they, then they, then all of a sudden it was fourth down. I was like, what the hell happened to third down? Yes, that's exactly right. We, they robbed. So, wrong, wrong down and distance off the penalty. Then, wrong marking with the sticks on second down. Then they skipped over third down. I mean, it was. It was a travesty. It was a tra- it was an it was abomination. U G L Y, you ain't got no alibi. Unbelievable. It was ugly. It I mean, was you got, ugly. You got four per- and you know what? perhaps five clarifications you I, you're asking for on that series alone. Right. You you and I are sitting here talking about it. I the, it, it and this is how it happens sometimes. And oh. the game's so con- the fans in the stands are like, I don't get it. I, what, you know, okay, hey, they didn't even get it. Could you imagine? Well, I if- was I was confused calling the game because I was like, "Well, wait a second. I said, yeah. "Why is it second and seven? Yeah. I said that out loud on the broad. I was I was totally perplexed. And then I'm right. looking at the sticks, and it's like second and thirteen. I was like, "There's no way it's second and 13. That's right. They totally bought, and it it, it happens so fast. And they just kind of keep smoothing it over. It's like, "Let's go. Come on, snap the ball." It's like, well, "Wait, wait. What? What? Punt team. So punt team. The, you know." But here's the crazy thing. So. As you said, the fans didn't even get it. So it's listed as a first and five, but the sticks are out there like first and ten. So the chain gang actually had it right after the penalty. The refs had it wrong. Then they lose two yards, and the scoreboard's following along with the with the referee saying penalty, blah blah blah, second and seven. So they put second and seven up on the board, but the sticks are at second and twelve. So the sticks are still right. Then one of the side judges comes out and says, "Hold on, something's not right here." And, and then, then, they have this, then the caucus begins. And the caucus begins, and they start to unravel what they had just done, and they said, oh, yeah. we didn't do that but right. But then... It's too late. But hold on. Then they double down and oh. forget third down. Yeah. And they met for a while, to the point where fans were booing that they were doing nothing. I mean, it was like they were slower than Congress out there. Oh, my god, It was unbelievable. It was, it was unbelievable. And so, yeah. So... I no, can no only doubt. imagine no the tone. Doubt. Can you imagine the tone of the clarification <laughs> questions me, that are typed up, sent to the league this week? Come dude, on, it was man. ugly. It was so ugly. They just should consider themselves lucky that the Bills won the game by a wide margin. Because if that's a close game and you have a problem there, it was so bad. bad. Things, it was man. so bad. Yeah, it was so bad. bad. It was it was a travesty of down and distance for and, about and, a five minute stretch. And we we talked about it how that you know the, it was a first year head official, but none of those guys out there were spring chickens. They had a lot of experience yep. on that crew, and it was bad. They all really, oof. really, really bad. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, more of your phone calls. We'll also hear, I believe, from Von Miller, or no, sorry, Stefan Diggs, who addressed the media after practice today. We'll get some thoughts from Stefan. Coming up here next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All 
All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here. Just about a half hour to go. And we'll get to the interview with Stefan Diggs in just a second. But first, we need to tell you about Bills tickets. Check. Face paint. Check. Your favorite apple with the epic crunch. Snapdragon apples. Available now at Wegmans and other local retailers. Fuel your day with Snapdragon apples, the official apple of your Buffalo Bills. Stefan Diggs addressed the media post-practice today. Let's get his thoughts on this upcoming matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. Happy Thanksgiving, first off, because I won't see any of you. But I hope you get some good food. How does it feel this year to be able to actually have a little Thanksgiving? Uh, I mean, you're thankful for sure, but we're so conditioned to not really have too many holidays, you know what I'm saying, because just with the timing and schedule. But uh, something to be thankful for, you know. Uh, as you grow into this league, you get used to just not having holidays. So when you have them, it's like, it's all right. You know what I'm saying? I could not get used to this, but I could get used to this. So I appreciate it. Look at Philadelphia's uh, secondary, obviously led by Slay. What do you see on tape and the challenges that, that they provide your offense? Great defense. Um, obviously, uh, their defense is well-coached, um, very skillful players, especially in the back end. And then, you know, obviously their interior uh, on the D-line speaks for itself. You know, they're very active up front, and they um, they get after the quarterback. So it's going to be big for us to, on, on the outside, being on the same page, uh, timing with everything and really uh, playing what you see. But obviously, you know, uh, Darius State's been in the league for a long time. Got a lot of respect for him. Uh, definitely, uh, I don't say I don't say it often, but he's definitely one of the top corners in the league and has been for a long time. I used to play him all the time in Minnesota, so I got a lot of respect for him. We used to see him twice a year. So, uh, you know, those in-division battles, um, they're, they're, they're hard. So we had a lot of fun competing at a high level, so I look forward to it again. Um, but even the guy opposite, opposite of him is definitely a ball, ball player too. So, you know, it's going to be definitely one of those weeks, and uh, you got to capitalize on opportunities. You, know what I'm saying? you can't miss out on them with teams like this because, you know, their offense can score and their defense does play you know, at a high level. So we got to bring our best. Not overthinking and that kind of thing. Why did you do that? And like, I guess, what have your impressions been of him? And yeah, why did you? Do that? Yeah, for me, uh, kind of really leads back just to being a captain. And I know he had been here in such a short span of time. Um, but I try to tell guys like something I had to learn very early on to be yourself. You know I'm saying, uh, and in his circumstance, we brought you here in the middle of the year. Uh, we obviously they obviously watched you for a long time. Be yourself. Don't mean. Be you. You don't got to be nobody else. And I understand, like, when you're going into a new scheme, new coaching, um, it's better when you're just playing. You know what I'm saying? When you're thinking and trying to get calls and trying to get this, obviously it can be a little harder, but you don't get to just play football. And, you know, that's what obviously jumped out on the tape and uh, from what I've seen on from him, you know, throughout the year. So, for me, I had talked about before the game, and, you know what I'm saying, I, I like to tell our DBs that you see some of the best receivers in the league in practice. Like, um, And I say that from the most humble place, but it's like, you know what I'm saying? You get the best work in practice, and it shouldn't be a surprise when you get out here. And those guys go out there and play with confidence at a very, very high level. So uh, just me breathing confidence into my teammates, I feel like the biggest thing at this point in my career is not only, you know what I'm saying, playing with confidence myself, but making those around me better. And I, I saw it last I saw that last game when I talked to him. I said, listen, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You see some of the best receivers uh, day in and day out, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, they got some talent over there, but... You know what I'm saying? Make them earn it. And that's all one of the, I saw the route that he sat on, and I was like, this, yeah, make them earn it. You know what I'm saying? They got to earn it. Make them go by you. Uh, you know, because our defense is a 
they try to say bend don't break but those guys those guys are out there playing ball playing ball at a high level so when I saw him jumping I was like all right you know what I'm saying he's, he took he took a little bit of advice I, I see him out there hooping Definitely. In light of everything. No, hell no. Nah. It's it's more so um I have a soft spot for DBs because I always say I was I'm a DB at heart, but more so because I don't play defense. I don't spend a lot of time with those guys. So um when I can try to interject or put a battery in their back, I'm I'm front and center for it. And uh, as you can see like on the sideline when the defense is playing well and making plays, I get really excited because I feel like uh deep down inside I'm a part of the defense even though I'm not. What does it mean to have a performance, a result like last week? With everything the team went through with a change of coordinator and all that, to maybe build on looking toward the corner? Uh, I can't speak for anybody else. I can say uh, we're not by any means. It's no right to ship moment. More so getting back on course and on schedule. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, week in and week out, it's ebbs and flows of the season. You know, people they love you one week, they say you're trash the next. Uh, it's just how this thing goes for us. Uh, try not to ride that roller coaster. You know what I'm saying? I kind of, I kind of talked about it last week and as I pivot now it's more so like those small things you see those small things in the game we're, we're a little bit more tighter on you know what I'm saying like I we had a couple miscues but just having that positivity and you know turning the page like when something happens all right well turn the page how fast can you turn the page and how fast can you get back to executing at a high level so um more so for me I just take it as in let's get the ball rolling you know what I'm saying of course uh, you want to win week in and week out and it's hard but for us uh I don't take it as a right to ship them more, so we get on schedule. You know what I'm saying? Get back on schedule, get back to being us, uh, get back to having fun. Last week, I feel like the past couple of weeks, uh, I'm not saying I wasn't having fun, but I wasn't having the most fun. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, this past game, you can kind of see it. The energy out there was different, especially when because we, we're at home. Uh, it's different when we're away, but when we're at home, bringing that juice and bringing that energy that the team actually needs, you know what I'm saying, on all, all ends. You might play into this a little bit, but there was a clip of your quarterback on the sideline. I think it was after Khalil's touchdown. Yeah. It's kind of made the rounds where, and I won't quote him exactly. What do you say? Say it. Yeah. Right now, <laughs> say it. What do you say? Said, say uh, it. I feel like I'm back. That doesn't sound like him. What do you say? <laughs> say it. Yeah. The cameras are rolling. It's explicit. Right? Yeah. I feel like I'm <laughs> back. So, uh, was he giving off that vibe on the sideline on Sunday? Yeah. Did you get... Did you get that sense from him that he felt that way? Why? I feel, I feel like the energy, you know, when I when I bring it all full circle, it's just the energy. And when it's coming from your quarterback, like it's, you know, we had a conversation last week and, you know, throughout the past week when things were just weren't going so, so well. Uh, he had like a moment where he told us, like, listen, if I'm acting like beep, and just tell me, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, I need it. Shake me up a little bit because, you know, uh, we all kind of get into this moment of, you know, you want to do everything right. And I can imagine how hard it is at quarterback. But he told us, like, look, look at me. If I'm not doing X, Y, Z, just tell me. You know what I'm saying? I, I need it. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, sometimes I need a little pushing it back in the most uh, nicest way I can say it or a foot in the ass in another way. But uh, he does such a great job. So um, this past week, you saw that energy. So I'm getting back to having fun and having, like, a little bit more of a clear mind. And he was making great decisions. Um, and that kind of goes hand in hand. I feel like execution brings energy. So uh, him executing at a high level brought that uh, brought that Josh that we know and love back. And, you know, seeing him at the top of his game is definitely something that interjects, like, it's something in all of it, all of our veins on offense. Like, I, right, I see you 17. You know what I'm saying you might want to do a little bit more extra, and it's just, it's just natural. It's not so much that um, you're trying to do it, but it's like, damn, you feeding off some energy from your quarterback.
The clip from from Sunday where you went up to Dalton on the sideline, you're like, I wasn't sure about you at first, but I, but I, I love you now. What has he done to yeah. earn the respect of not only you but just everybody else on the team? For me, like you know, especially with young guys, like I'm not the nicest. You know what I'm saying? Just because I know how the rules is. Like when I was young, they weren't the nicest to me, but I understood why. And when I think about it now, it's just like as a young player, they you want them to earn their respect. I don't care how nice they are. And Don Kincaid is the sweetest soul. You know what I'm saying he's a good, he's a good ass guy. So like at the end of the day, nobody cares about that. I want you to earn your keep. I want to see what you are as a player. And uh, like you can ask him yourself if you if y'all interview him. He just got a handshake like last week. You know what I'm saying like I feel like the handshake is important. He didn't. He got a usual just regular uh, running the mill dap up because like for me I feel like you got to earn a handshake you got to make some plays and I and I like his game I told you I like this game in camp and he's shown that uh, put the money on black I guess or put the money on Dalton I'm saying I guess on the betting world I forgot how to say it but I trust him and I like him so he got his little handshake we'll see how it goes I might have to revoke it depending on how he plays the next couple weeks Uh, after a couple weeks you know I seen him take a couple hits seen him get up Seen him catch some passes. I'm like, he's all right. I feel like you said something similar to us about Khalil. Maybe yeah, last hell summer. Yeah, hell yeah. Hey, Khalil, we talked about him every day. Well, last week he made a really, really big play mm-hmm. for your team. How have you seen him evolve into the added opportunity? It's just I preach to him each and every week, whether you get one opportunity one opportunity or 20, make sure you're taking advantage. You know what I'm, saying? I'm saying I'm coming from a different scope of things, especially on mine. I'm like, listen. You don't know how many opportunities. When you get those opportunities, take full advantage. Because I've been a young player with uh, limited opportunities. I've been a young player with a lot. You know what I'm saying? It depends on week to week on how the scheme is. But uh, he's another likable guy. As you know, this team is full of likable guys. But um, I always tell them likable guys don't win. You know what I'm saying? I want, I want, I want you to be a dog full time too. So uh, keep the night nice at home with your wife. So. You mentioned um, Dalton Kincaid and everything he's earned on Khalil's big touchdown. Mm-hmm. He had that block too. What did you see you rewatching that play? And what was your yeah. role on that play? Josh mentioned, you know, what you were doing. Yeah, listen, I was on the backside. Um, when I see the guy spring free, like I saw him catching the ball. I saw Sauce kind of took like a not a bad angle, but not not a favorable that if he was he was either going to make the play or he was going to miss it. So uh, I seen him take off, and I see Dalton. Like we've been preaching all week um, for the past like four weeks. Um, run to the ball. Like you just never know what's going to happen. And as, obviously, you've seen it on defense as well too. When that fumble recovery by Tim Tom, like guys running to the ball, guys. Uh, coach considers it it's a loaf if you have a change of pace. Like if you weren't already running fast, it's a loaf. So uh, as you can see, we kind of being a little bit more active on tape, and I think it brings another brings another layer of energy as well when you're running to the ball and you picking guys off the ground. Like um, it just shows you that you you. I mean, you're out there fighting with your brother. You're right there with him, and you get knocked down. I got your back. But to celebrate those touchdowns together is real, real special because it's hard to score in the National Football League. And when one guy does, we all do. Steph, you talked. Yep. I promised you. I appreciate that, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> last. All right. Uh, I think it was last week, the week before. He said, if you want to have fun, go to the local ice cream shop. Like, you yeah. guys seem to be having fun, and I know that momentum is only as good as your last play, and you have to turn the page. But you talked a lot about energy and fun. Can you carry over energy from last week to this week? Is that something that you can tangibly move with you? Yeah, it's more so um, the the preparation process. Like, we got to having fun by preparing during the week and going out there and executing, executing, bringing energy and just the players and, like, Josh. All that kind of works in tandem, but I say it always is some carryover. Like, when you win, you want to get some snowball effect to get another win, to get another win and try to put a, build them up in the win column because, obviously, you can see we kind of been just, like, win, lose, win, lose, or whatever, how it been. But 
for me, I feel like you can carry it over, but you more so carry over the preparation process. That preparation process is key. Um, and I feel like uh, I give a shout out real real early, but I give a shout out to Coach Brady on bringing a lot of the juice. I think he drinks a lot of coffee and a lot of monsters or whatever the uh, the brand is because he brings a lot of juice and he lets you know that if y'all don't got it, I'm going to bring it for you. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously working and um, let's keep it going. All right, so that's Stefan Diggs addressing the media. Got to take a break here. Steve and I close it up next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Ticketmaster is the presenting sponsor of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. We will not be here tomorrow for obvious reasons, so have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We will be doing the same. And then, as far as Friday goes, I'm we waving are... waving early. You're waving early. We're back on the air. Same bad time, same bad channel. We will see you at 1 p.m. Greg Cosell will be joining us, as he always does, to break down... Bills, Eagles for us. You can consider us a pregame for the Jet-Dolphin game, too. That is true. We are the perfect lead-in for that because kickoff for that game. Is it three? In the first ever Black Friday game, 3 p.m. kickoff between the Dolphins and the Jets. And if you're a Bills fan, you're you're rooting. you got to watch it. You're rooting for the Jets here. Oh, absolutely. You're rooting for the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Right. Tim Tim Boyle. For those of you who don't know, that's how you say it. Trevor Simeon may be the backup. We'll have to see because he got brought up to the active roster. Yeah. Yeesh. Let's go. Enjoy the triple header of NFC games tomorrow. We'll see you on Friday at 1. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.